Bibles out. And in just a moment, I'm going to be reading uh, from Mark's Gospel, um, chapter 11. So you can begin to go to the Gospel of Mark. That should be a relatively uh, easy find there in the Gospels, Mark chapter 11. And uh, two weeks ago, we started, by way of introduction, our new series that we've entitled Rethink. In fact, everyone say Rethink. You've heard me say on occasion that when you, when you made a decision for Jesus Christ, when you opened up your heart and received him, you got a heart transplant, but what we needed was a brain transplant, really. Because while your heart may be good and you love the Lord and there's a heart to serve him or a desire to, to walk with him, at least at some level. In fact, I believe every human being intuitively has a, a God cry. In their heart, there's something in the heart of man and women that want to reach out and have a relationship with God, and, and so the matters of the heart uh, are dealt with, I think, fairly rapidly. But our problem is, is that we keep the same old carnal mind, and oftentimes it's our mind that gets us in trouble. Not just by way of of egregiously sinful, lustful, or, or, or perverted, uh, crazy thoughts, but also, just not thinking as the Lord would want us to think with regards to how the kingdom works. And I don't know about you, but there have been many an occasion in my life when I'm walking with the Lord and, and this question just naturally arises in me. Lord, why isn't it working? It seems like I'm loving you, I'm doing everything, at least at this point I know to do. And somehow or another, it just doesn't seem like everything's working or perhaps not all the cylinders are firing at the same time in order to see what it is you promised in the book you could do. And I think a lot of people ask that question. In fact, I think a lot of people get discouraged by the fact that they're wanting to love God, they're wanting to serve God, but for some reason or another, they aren't seeing all that they had hoped to see come to pass. Well, I believe in these next few weeks as we move towards the end of the year, we're going to be talking to you about how some of that can be remedied. And so uh, we started two weeks ago uh, t giving you an introduction to Rethink, and you want, if you want to catch up, you can go to uh, iTunes, uh, off the website, leap off the website, and uh, you can listen to that and get all caught up. Now, as you're getting to Mark 11, I just want to say that if we can access and begin to think like kingdom people, if we can begin to think as we were designed by God as believers to do, we can really begin to walk above defeat and demonstrate what life in the kingdom really looks like. For me, I read the passages of the Bible and I go back to the book of Genesis and I see how God has promised us dominion. And I tell you what dominion is. Dominion is not just control. Dominion is literally living above or exercising a, a level of victory above what everyone else is having to endure that's outside of the kingdom. There are too many dominion passages in the Bible for us as believers to accept anything less than all that God has promised. And I want to be clear on something here again as we get started. I really began to minister it even at the end of worship. I don't want there to be any confusion or misunderstanding, but I want to share something as we get started in this series. In fact, let me just say this. I'm all over the map, I know. We're going to spend some time. I know for those of you that have been with me over perhaps even a decade or more now, you know that I like to 
put up outlines, step one, steps two, step three, A, B, C, one, two, three. You know, that's not a Jackson song. It's, a, it's kind of my nature. I like things in order. I like things in an outline. I like to start somewhere and get done. But the Holy Spirit is wanting us to soak in some things. I, you know, if you go out and stand in the rain, you can literally run to your car in a rainstorm, is it not true? And you'll get a little wet, but you'll dry off pretty quick. But here's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to get soaked. Down to the bone. I don't want just a little little dribble on you so you can say, well, yeah, I've heard that. You know, I was wet once. I want you soaked in some kingdom concept so that it becomes your way of thinking and your way of living because until it gets into our system like that it does us no good we are we are the information download generation we we got more information at our disposal than any generation that has ever been on the face of the earth and yet we are the most dysfunctional defeated group and it's not for lack of information it's for lack of revelation that's, that's in our system that's making a difference. We're really living it and breathing it and thinking it. And, and so just bear with me in these coming weeks. We're going to soak in an area. I've never really done this before. I've usually had four or five weeks and we're off to something else. No, we're going to soak. Because if we don't get this, nothing else is going to fit. And I want to just share with you so there's no misunderstanding or confusion that personally I am all about God's will and his purposes in my life. How many of you here would be willing to testify this morning and say, I'm all about God's will, I want God's purposes, I'm all about that. I'm all about, I want the will of God in my life. I mean, come on now. Do you want the will of God? How many of you believe he has a good will? I mean, he's got some good things for you. I mean, I believe that to be true. And I'm all about that. And my household is all about the purposes of God. And I am aware that through the years, and especially in our circles, that whenever you start teaching on dominion or prosperity or victory or overcoming, I mean, I've been here about as long or longer than probably anyone in the room. And I've heard every weird teaching, every, every weird, convoluted, twisted instruction out of the Word of God on all of these areas. And I'll be the first one. I'll just say it out loud. I know that there have been people through the years that have taught on faith and that they have twisted it and they have used it for their own selfish purposes. I know that to be true. I've met more of them than you know. But, but let me just say that even there may, there may be those that use God to get rich quick or, or maybe they want to use God to enable a personal agenda of their selfishness. And, and, and we can... We can begin to discern their presumption and their arrogance and their self-promotion. I want you to know, as we go through this instruction and as we go to the end of the year, I get that. And I'm as turned off as many of you are by the silliness we see on Christian television. That if you'll give, you know, somebody was reading some verse out of Isaiah. I, I was reading Isaiah 58, 12, and the Lord told me that if you'd give $58.12, can we just, just, let's get the elephant out of the room. That's silly. It's silly. And I get it. I get that people use legitimate precept 
for their own twisted, convoluted purposes. And it has caused us, as believers and Christians, who are inundated at times with this stuff, and listen to the criticism of our, of our neighbors and our friends, and even the world, as they have enough sense to know it looks convoluted. And what happens is, the enemy begins to cause us to question certain things, and what we do is we knee-jerk, and we react for, because of it all. And what happens is, we lose what's right, because of somebody who's done it wrong. And I am no longer going to allow people who do things wrong to keep me from walking in what is true and right. There has been a lot of personal kingdom building that's been done on the back of legitimate biblical precept. And we've distanced ourselves. We don't want, we don't want to be known as one of them. Well, okay, let's just be honest and admit. We aren't going to be one of them. Can we just say amen? But let me tell you, the just still have to live by faith. Yes, it is. It, the Bible still says that we walk not by sight, but by faith. The Bible still says that in order to please God, we must walk by faith. I mean, you, 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 can, you can knee-jerk to all of that, but you still got to deal with the Bible. And so I would never claim to personally know Every motive that would lurk in my heart. I mean, I'm smart enough to know what the Bible says, that the heart above all things is desperately wicked and deceitful, and who can really know it? So I'll stand before you all and say, do I know every little peripheral bit of my heart? Probably not. Any more than you know all of your heart. So we got that one on the table. But I can tell you this, that God has called me, and he has called you, and he has called us to do some things for him that are his will and his purpose that will not come to pass unless we access his kingdom and do it by faith. That's the bottom line. So, so it's important to do humility checks and brokenness checks and cross-carrying checks in our life to always be sure our motives are clean. But I've reached the place in my life where there comes a moment that I can't spend all my time doing checks. There comes a moment that I accept the work of God in my heart and begin to practice His ways that can unleash, listen, His greatness. It isn't my greatness. It's His greatness in my life. His greatness in your life. His greatness in our life. Let me tell you, when someone becomes great in the eyes of God and in the eyes of man, it's His greatness. That's what's called the grace of God. The, gra the grace of God is the empowerment of God to do something that it's just not you. And if God puts something in your hand, if he, if he gives you a level of influence, if he does something extraordinary and over the top, and, and he does things that are just miraculous or supernatural, can we just get to the place where we really do realize it isn't us? Anything good that's happened in my life, let me tell you, it's because God did it probably despite of me, not because of me. I'm saying it. But having said all of these things, we still get back to the place that God still wants to do great things. And I believe this is how I've begun to interpret my life. I believe that all the pain that I've experienced, all the pain that Trace and I have endured together, 
over all the 30 plus years of ministry. I believe, I don't know how you interpret your pain, but let me tell you how I interpret my pain. My pain was for a purpose. I hope you see that in your life, that your pain, whatever pain you have faced or are facing, it is for a purpose. Your pain is to break you from all self-reliance. Your pain is to break you from any arrogance. And it's to break you from natural ways of thinking and to bring you to the place his kingdom can really begin to flow through you. Because unless you are broken, the kingdom can't flow. So you're going to have to get to a place of brokenness for greatness. Isn't that another paradox? It's, it's a paradox. I have to enter into brokenness in order to enter into greatness. And there are people in this room this morning, you have faced pain, you have faced setbacks. Can I hear an amen? Come on, is there anyone in here that hasn't experienced pain? You've experienced a setback. You aren't where you thought you would be by this time in your life. You had a reversal that took place that you don't understand. There's been injustice meted out to you. You you were in a situation that was unfair and you were on the short end of the stick. Listen to me. You can wallow in the disease of bitterness. You can keep on doing the things that got you there. You can continue to be beaten down by the defeat or you can embrace the humility and brokenness and arise with those lessons in your life that will open up the door to God's greatness flowing through you. He loves to take people who are thrown in pits that were falsely accused, that were thrown into prison and pull them out for greatness. He loves doing that. Come on now. Joseph endured it all because he was going to greatness. Just wasn't going the way most of us think it happens. So I'll not claim to be the most humble or meek of men on the earth as Moses was. But I can tell you, if you hook me up to a lie detector, that my will is all about God's will. Folks, when you lose it all and have zero... You get to the place where you either are all out for God or you chuck it in. And I am all about God's will and God's ways in my life and in my household's life and in this church's life. And if if all I ever have is you coming along with me, that's kingdom success. But I believe that there's greatness that God has in store for all of us if we can get a few things into our system. Now, that's just the introduction for today. How about that? I just... Hey, Mark chapter 11. Turn to Mark chapter 11. I want to read you, and I, we're, gonna, we're just going to soak in some of this. I know you'll, hear, you'll have heard it before. You'll know what I'm fixing to talk about, you think. But I just want you to get soaked in some things here. Mark 11, verse 20, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, meaning the disciples and Jesus, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Let me stop right here. They had been... Walking previously, the previous day, and Jesus wanted to get some fruit, some figs from this fig tree. And when he came to the tree, it was barren. He found nothing on it. The scripture tells us that in response to finding nothing on the tree, Jesus speaks some words. He says, let no one ever eat from you again. He curses the fig tree. And so 24 hours has eclipsed. They're walking past this same fig tree that received the the verbal curse, so to speak, from Jesus' mouth concerning its fruitlessness. And they noticed that it had dried up from the roots. 
Now get this, in 24 hours. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus uses this as a teachable moment. He says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, everyone say, says. You got to speak, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Now say that as well. Say, does not doubt. One more time. Now it's in the red, okay? It's in the Bible. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I've been soaking in that probably for about 60, maybe 90 days now. I've just sort of been soaking in those passages. Peter, as he begins to hear this lesson that comes out of the fig tree, Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the fig tree. And it's interesting as you look at the punctuation marks in your Bible, it's easy to see that he is incredibly surprised by what has taken place. There's some exclamation points there. There's a, there's a sense of, wow, that's, that's incredible. And I started to ask myself the question, why? Why would Peter be all that surprised by what has taken place? After all, he had listened to Jesus teach. He had listened to Jesus model the kingdom for several years now. And yet, as this happening takes place before his very eyes, he seems to be somewhat taken by surprise by it. Well, why would that be? Well, it's simple, really. Peter is like most of us. We hear instruction, but it never changes our expectation. Did you hear that? We hear instruction, but it never changes our expectation. We hear instruction, and it never changes the way we think. Now, I want you to really get this because for some of you, and I've heard this through the years, there have been people who have said, well, if we just, if Jesus were just here, it would be so much easier. No, it wouldn't. There were at least 12 guys that had Jesus 24-7 for three years. And they could still get instruction, but it didn't change their expectation. You can have the worst pastor or the greatest pastor, or anyone in between, and you can hear instruction, but if you don't get expectation, it'll never change. So, Peter sees the Lord do something out of the ordinary, and he's surprised by it. He sees Jesus speak, the fig tree responds, and he's surprised. And what we do is we begin to call this thing a miracle. Wow, it was a miracle. Can I suggest something to you? I am really rethinking the difference between miracle and what is kingdom normal. You see, miracles are things that take place outside of our natural realm of thinking. But if I'm thinking like Jesus, if I'm thinking like the kingdom, if my, if my mind has been renewed by the Spirit of Christ, if I'm, really, if I'm really internally thinking like God thinks, when kingdom things happen, is that not more normal than supernatural? You see, the kingdom of God, I'm finding out, has laws. Most Christians hear the word law, 
and their thinking automatically kicks into the Old Testament. Well, you know, I know there's laws in the Old Testament, and from everything I've been taught through the years, we're no longer under the law, and we know, and it is true, that the law cannot produce righteousness. That is true. The problem is, though, that's only partially true. The whole truth is that the kingdom of God has precepts, or God has put into motion principles that if you will allow me, if you can break out of your, your traditional mindset for a moment to use the word law, the kingdom of God has certain laws that it functions on that if we refuse to implement these laws or these precepts or these principles, you cannot get the results that God promised. Are you following me? In other words, you can't just wake up one day and say, well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm a Christian, I just, you know, however I decided or came to be a Christian, and I just decided I'm going to create my own system. And people do this all the time. You just, all you have to do is watch people on TV and ask them what they think about Christianity and Christ and how he does things, and they'll just make things up. Well, I think this, and I think that, and I think if you do this, and I think God auto, and I da 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 And you know what? God is unmoved and unfazed, and the problem is we've got to understand how he has set things up. It's like me waking up one morning and say, well, I just decide today that gravity isn't going to work for me today. I just don't like gravity. So I'm just going to go to the top of my roof and jump off because that's just what I want to do. And we jump off, and we break both of our legs, and as we're going to the hospital, the whole time we're going, oh, doesn't God love me? I'm, I'm, I'm quitting church because it just doesn't work. And what we did was we violated a precept. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. And so we've got to begin to renew our mind to precept. Now, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples I wrote down here that I want you just to think about. Remember, we're soaking. Amen. I know what some of you are saying. You're used to me doing this and you're ready to move on. Soak, my friend. You got to soak. You see, the reason we can build skyscrapers and bridges, everybody remember when they were building the new Cooper River Bridge? I mean, that was just remarkable to watch all that they were doing to build that bridge. And, and it's a, a, a suspension bridge. Is that what they call it? Because they have the cables and, and they can engineer it a certain way. And literally, as we go across that bridge, we're being held up by those cables. And so we build these skyscrapers and we build bridges because we know that there are certain laws of gravity, certain laws of engineering, certain laws of motion that are stable facts that enable us to do incredible architectural feats, right? I mean, I mean for years we couldn't build those things because we did not understand how it was those things worked. Now, keeping that in mind, let's together right now, let's go back a couple thousand years. So all of us right now are a couple thousand years old, and, and you're walking outside of your mud hut, or you know, you're outside of your teepee, or, or you're outside of whatever it is that they used back in those days in order to bring some sort of shelter. You walk out of your shelter 2,000 years ago, think about this, it's you 2,000 years ago, and all of a sudden, a jet, a modern jet flies by, buzzes you. And, and all of a sudden, 2,000 years ago, you look up at this jet, and as you looked at it, you, you would have thought all sorts of things, and you wouldn't have known what it was. In fact, you might have called it a miracle, right? In fact, if you would have seen 
one of those old biplanes or something buzz you and some guy standing out shaking and you saw that dude up in the air flying 2,000 years ago, you'd have looked and you'd have been blown away. When in reality, we know today that a plane or a jet works through the laws of gravity and aerodynamics. But for years, the human mind could not think that a human being could fly. It couldn't conceive of flying. It was impossible. In fact, many ridiculed the idea. How many of you remembered? A number of weeks ago, I told the story about Orville and Wilbur Wright, and their dad was a Methodist bishop who stood up in a conference of the Methodist church and said that if man were meant to fly, God would have given him wings. And his own sons were the ones that ultimately began to test the limits of man flying. Now, stick with me. We're soaking, right? Many ridiculed the idea of flying. Think about it through the years. People ridiculing. No way man can fly. Why, why did they ridicule flying? It's because the human mind had not been renewed to think fly. We didn't think that way. But here's what's interesting. There were the Wright brothers, as I mentioned, and they would watch the birds. They read a little bit of the articles and journals of Leonardo da Vinci, and they were convinced that man could fly. And they endured the ridicule of everyone else saying, why don't you give up what you're trying to do, just fix bicycles and get on with life. Just go ahead and fix the bicycle, go on with life. This flying stuff is for the birds, literally. But they endured it. They kept pressing in, they kept renewing their mind, they kept trying until the day came, they flew a few hundred feet. And at that moment, they tasted of aerodynamics. And the minute they tasted of aerodynamics, they knew it was possible for man to fly. And from that time forward, in fact, rather quickly, swiftly, exponentially, People began to fly. And here's what's fascinating. What 2,000 years ago would have been called or considered a miracle is now just a plain old accepted fact. Man can fly. And every day, millions of people get on jets and they are convinced they will fly from one city to the next. How many of you have ever been on an airplane and you've taken a flight? Raise your hand real high. I mean, was there ever a moment, and I mean this sincerely, that as you're getting on that airline, that there wasn't something in you that said, this is what people do. They get on airplanes and they fly in the air from one city to another city. Now stop for just a minute. We're soaking. And ask yourself, why do we do that? Why, why do we just buy our tickets... We go to the airport, we go through all the process, and we just step onto that airplane, and literally tons of steel are fixing to go into the air, and we never stop for a moment and think about that. Why is that? It's because, listen to me, our minds have been renewed to believe that we'll fly. We've been renewed to the truth of flight. We may not know everything about aerodynamics, but we are convinced the laws of aerodynamics work and the plane will lift off the ground and we believe it and have been renewed to it to where we will set on our blessed assurances in that seat and go on the flight. And, and we don't walk out and go, miracle, miracle, 
Now, I've been on a few crazy flights that I do think there were a couple miracles involved. But listen, the, for most of us, we see sporadic moments of the kingdom of God breaking through into our life. Can we just say, yeah, that's true, just sporadic moments. We see sporadic moments of peace, sporadic moments of joy, sporadic moments of healing, sporadic moments of prosperity. I'm not saying God doesn't move. I mean, everyone in this room, if I were to ask you, has God ever moved in your life and done what you would consider to be miraculous or supernatural? I bet just about everybody would raise their hand. At some level, we've all experienced a moment when God has broken through our lives sporadically, if we'd be honest, and done something that is in the kingdom. And when we see that kingdom happening, we call it a miracle. But the truth is, and this is where I'm going to, if our minds could be renewed to the truth of the kingdom, these things would be normal. And consistent. It's not God's fault. It's because we haven't been renewed to anticipate, to expect to call it kingdom normal. You see, we believe certain things in the natural. We believe certain things in the earth because our minds have been conditioned and renewed to expect that. I'll just give you examples. Perfect example. We have the media saying recession, 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 and we expect what? Sure, why? Because our minds are being renewed by the world to expect that. And so what do we expect? We expect that... Finding a job is hard, or we won't find one. We expect that everything's going to shut down and we aren't going to be able to move forward. Why? Because we're in a recession. And we just begin, because everybody, it's really hard, is it not, when everybody's saying one thing, and then you're the one that has to say something different? Because our natural mind says this, that if all of these people, all these people can't be, isn't that true? Oh, this has happened to me so many times. People, people will, they'll gather around an error. And just because they have a thousand people gathering around an error, they say, all these people can't be. I want to suggest to you that this whole world is wrong. And until we press out of that system and begin to understand there's another way to think, we'll never get right. Let me tell you, if the doctor comes into you and looks at you and tells you that you've just got three months to live, and you hear that over and over and over again, you've only got three months to live, three months to live, three months to live, and, and your natural mind says, well, golly, he's a doctor. He's, a, he's an expert. He's the one that knows what he's talking about. And if you accept that, what happens is you begin to experience that. You're going to have to break out of that mentality. I mean, I mean you're going to have to break out of a mentality that the world says, if the world says it's impossible, you're going to have to get back to the God who says with man things are impossible, but with God all things are what? Possible. Possible. People who look at you and said, you'll never earn more than minimum wage. Well, if you accept that, that's all you'll ever earn. Well, you know, you can't, you can't expect a pay raise in a recession. Well, you hear that enough, and you begin to believe it. You, you see, Jesus on several occasions looked at him, and, and at least three that I know of said, listen, man will say it's impossible, but with God it is possible. He kept trying to get that into their system. Think for a moment on what electricity and lights would have looked like to a person 2,000 years ago. 
Do any of us think that electricity and lights would not have been miraculous to the people 2,000 years ago? But I want to ask you the question, does anyone in this room really struggle when you get up in the morning and you go over and you turn the light on in the bathroom? Is that a struggling moment for anybody in this room? Now, you may struggle for various other reasons, but I mean on the fact that if you get to that light switch, in fact, if we turn on a light switch and the lights don't come on, it's weird to us. Why is that? Have you ever asked yourself, why is that? Why is it that I can just flip the lights on and they come on and I'm not like going, oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Why is Because your mind has been renewed to the concept of electricity. See, your, your mind, whether you know it or not, has, has grown to expect that when I throw the light switch on, the lights come on. But can you imagine 2,000 years ago what that would have looked to someone? You see, the reason we struggle with the promises of God is because we are like that 2,000-year-old Neanderthal man looking at a jet going overhead. And we say to it, how can that be? How can that be when in reality it is a law of aerodynamics? And sometimes I think we look at the Bible and we read what God has promised and we see all that He has made available to us and we say to ourselves, how can that be? How can this promise be true? And we're looking for a way out or to help God with His public relations or to somehow make it fit into the natural realm when in fact it is a law of the kingdom that is forever established in the heavens and it's what Paul said is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. But we've not been renewed to think that way. We think natural when God says it's the spiritual. It's the spiritual man. He said that we'll access things which ears have not heard nor have eyes seen. It's the spiritual man. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I can quote it. You can find it. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service of worship. Then he says in verse 2, and be not conformed. Listen now. He's talking to church people. Be not conformed to the patterns of this age. But be ye renewed, but be transformed, excuse me, but be transformed by how? The renewing of your mind. So he says, he says, don't don't be squeezed into the way the world thinks. But you can be changed or transformed by how? Everybody wants to know, how 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 do I change? I want change. Things can't stay the same. I need to change. Help me change. You're only going to change when you get your mind renewed. We must rethink by the renewing of our minds. When we think like kingdom, we will start to see kingdom results. You see, the carnal mind, this is our problem. The carnal mind is not just lust. It is not just the normal perverted way that... that, uh, Uh, society and its lasciviousness and all the other things that it does. It's carnal is not just like this, this perverted, but carnal means thinking as a flesh man. Now, now listen to this in Romans eight, verse two, Romans eight, two, it says this interesting says for the law, everyone say law. law for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So Paul says here that even within the spirit realm, there's a law. 
And that law will set you free from the law that's producing bondage and death and that's producing that which, which brings defeat, brings you torment, brings you fear. There is a law that produces those things, but he says if you'll find the law of the spirit of life, it will change everything that goes on around you. Jump to verse 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds where? On the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So he, he's setting it up right now. He's saying there are going to be those who have set their minds on the natural realm. They've set their minds on what the natural can do, what the natural man thinks, what the senses tell you. There are those that set their mind on that, but he says, but there will be those who will live according to the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind or the earthly mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, here's the good news, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now listen, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, You. Right now, whatever pulled Jesus out of the grave that caused him to roll the stone and step out in resurrection power, whatever power that is, it says it dwells where? Now, let me, t hey, so what, what stone is it that has rolled in your way? You say, well, you don't understand. I've got this big roadblock this big stone let me tell you there's something inside of you that god has put in there that rolls away stones it knocks down roman centurions it springs up out of the very jaws of hell and he stands in life untouchable unshakable and paul says that same stuff is in us whoa that's a wow. Now, there's the wow. There's the wow. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. In other words, this isn't wait till you get to heaven stuff. I mean, I'm glad when I get to heaven, it's going to be good. I mean, I, I, I'm really, I'm to the age now, I'm kind of looking forward and longing for it. And I, I have a great anticipation for the day that I get to go be with Jesus and I get to go to heaven. And I, as a Christian, I look forward to that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But while I'm looking forward to heaven, don't you think it's just about time we got what was in us out of us so we could kind of enjoy the walk getting there? But our problem is we don't, we don't think right. We've got to renew the thinking. So we're going to adjust the way we think. And for the next weeks, we're going to be coming back over and over. We're going to soak now. I mean, I'm glad you're amen in me this morning, but you, we need to soak in that. 
Otherwise, we'll walk out and we'll just think like the world again. So we're going to come back over and over again because this is a constant challenge for us because we live in a powerful world system that is constantly trying to control how we think. We have to begin to recognize that for most believers, we are living at a level that really is beneath what has been made available for us. And we got to begin to ask why. When people wanted to fly and yet they were stuck on the ground, somebody had to ask why. When lightning struck from the clouds, and on occasion people would get hit by lightning, and it'd kill them or fry them. Or, I mean, people said, if you could only harness that. And there were voices that said, oh, that's, you'll never harness that. And somebody said, why? You see, if we desire kingdom results in our life and it's not happening, then I think it's in order and God really is okay with it if we just said, why? See, that's what Peter was doing in our text. By inference, he said, Rabbi, look. How did you do this? Why does this work for you? And Jesus begins to teach them. If you ever felt like you were in the dark, Peter, I'm fixing to give you your light switch on the kingdom. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11. Whoever says, these are the verses you'll begin to see. Whoever says, whatever you ask, when you pray. Here's the first thing that we're going to take out of here this morning. It is time we quit getting mad at God and understand that you and I, as born-again believers, have the power through Him in us to change whatever it is we're facing. Don't blame God. Don't blame God for where you're at. Don't blame God. Now, God may be leading you along, and I believe God was leading a guy like Joseph as he went through certain things. Of course, I believe Joseph wasn't getting certain things along the way either. But God will use all things. That's what Romans 8.28 says. He will cause all things to work together for good. In other words, whatever you're facing, let's go back. Setback, reversals, what seems to be defeat, unfairness, injustice. God will cause all things to work together for good. To those who love him. And are called according to a purpose. But if you don't change the way you think, you're going to be stuck right where you are. He says, whoever says, whatever you ask, when you pray, you have the power to begin to change some things. Now, it's not your power. The only thing that you're empowered to do is you got to speak. You got to say. God's all-powerful. You've got zero power, but to get his power in your situation, you've got to speak. You've got to begin to do some things. In fact, the word mountains here in Mark chapter 11 literally means anything. A mountain is anything that is not right in your life according to the word. That's according to the word. Now, we're going to face some things in life, no doubt about it. And, And the Bible will tell us later that there is a fight of faith. So don't you think that if you're functioning in faith, there won't be a few fights. Don't you think that there won't be some wars? Don't you think there won't be even some setbacks that you'll have to arise again at new levels of faith? But the first adjustment is realizing that God expects you to do certain things to tap into his kingdom promise. You see, all of us in this room are purposed and called by God to do something. I mean, how many of you, again, want the will of God? 
You say, I want the will of God. I believe that God has asked me, purposed me, called me to do some things. And there are no doubt in my mind and probably none in yours that there are some mountains that are standing in your way to get from where you are to wherever God has said he wants you to be. Is that right? Well, I believe God wants us to begin to move through those mountains. I, listen, I believe God wants, this is, this is the will of God. God wants us to quit spending what we spend to rent this building and begin to invest it in something that is his. Right. I believe that to be the will of God. Now, you may not, and you'll, you'll catch up to me here in a minute. But that's the will of God. It's not the will of God for us to keep funneling monies to the world. It is time for the world to start funneling things towards us. The wealth of the wicked, the scripture says, is laid up for the righteous. But unfortunately, most of the righteous is sending their money to the wicked. So we're going to have to change the way we think. All of us have to do this. Some of you want to be in ministry. You know that to be the will of God for your life. But there are some mountains in your way. You'd say, wow, if I could just find a way to... To, to access some money or finance or get a different job or get a new job. Do you understand how we think? It, there's, there's this, a job is standing in the way of the will of God. Does that sound dumb after a while? You know why it sounds okay? It's because of how we think. You see, if, if, if we understood what moved mountains, then maybe we would find God more than willing to help us move mountains and get to his will i believe that to be true some of you some of you here have a vocation some of you here have a have a job aspiration some of you here have all kinds of things and you're saying oh it's just this mountain it's this difficulty it's this thing that stands in the way and you know I've, i just don't know if it'll ever happen or i'm waiting on god or you know what and god's saying have you spoke to your mountain and say be thou removed right. have you done that yet now this is, we're soaking, remember? Now I know what some of you are going to do. You'll run out and you'll start speaking to your mountain, which is good, but you'll have one piece of it and that mountain won't move in 24 hours and you'll still wonder why and we're going to get there. But until you soak, because what happens is, is that we speak once or twice and it doesn't work and we give up. We just, oh, it doesn't work. See, it doesn't work. Well, you know what? <laughs> the fact of the matter is you doubted that it would work in your heart in the first place. You have, to, you have to begin to understand that, that God wants his will to be enfleshed and unveiled in your life. Mountains can be things like your health, your financial condition, your educational lack. These things will not move until you decide to do something that activates a kingdom law. Now, I'm going to give you just some examples of rethink. Turn to Mark 5 and I'm going to be done. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But like I said, we're soaking, right? I'm going to read you one last story and we're done. Familiar story with the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody know the story? Do I, have, I don't have to read you the whole story then, right? Everybody knows the woman with the issue of blood that the scripture says here in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 25. She had had, it, you know, not to be indelicate, her menstrual cycle hadn't stopped for 12 years. I mean, ladies, I know us guys cannot get a hold of that, but I've lived with a woman long enough to know that's not good. And the Bible says here that she suffered from the hands of many physicians. Didn't say she was helped. Says that she suffered from the hands of many physicians. 
And so you know the story. She wasn't getting any better. She was growing worse. And she begins to press through this great crowd in order to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She's literally hemorrhaging on her hands and knees as she's moving through the street to get to the hem of the master. And Jesus says, as soon as she touches, because she gets to the hem of his garment, she touches it, virtue flows towards her, she's healed, and Jesus said, who touched me? Now, come on, listen quick. i got to go through this quick. Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples look and say, hey, Jesus. Clue, everybody's touched you. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me different. Now, out of the whole crowd of touchers, only one person accesses the kingdom that was flowing in Jesus. Now, listen, listen you got to get a hold of this. Let me just soak. God, help us to soak in this. Jesus, listen, was not stopping along the way and ministering to everybody, was he? No. He wasn't, he wasn't specifically touching people. Jesus didn't even know her. He wasn't paying attention to her. She wasn't able to even get his attention. All she could do was make her way on hands and knees through the crowd to get the hem of his garment. But listen, despite everybody doing their touch ministry, everybody's trying to get a piece of Jesus. There was one woman who accessed and tapped into what he had. Now we've said amen to that through the years, but now let's take it the next step. How did she do that? Why didn't anyone else in the crowd get their need met? I mean, it's, I, I, I don't get, Pastor, I don't get, I did exactly the same thing my connect group person did. I did it exactly, I did, ex, I did exactly what you did, Pastor. Exactly. But how come he works for you and he doesn't work for me? Do you know how many times I've said that? When I've listened to testimonies on Christian television or at conferences and listened to these great, incredible things happen, and I'll say to myself, well, I did that. Why doesn't God ever do that for me? Why don't I ever get the million-dollar racetrack owner that comes by and buy my church? How come, how come God does that for Oral or for Benny? or for you know, How come? That bug, it bugs me after a while. You're doing the same thing someone else is doing. How many of us in here? We, we've tithed like other people have tithed, but I haven't been able to write a praise report. I've given extra offerings to the building fund, and I'm listening to what people have, God has done in other people's lives, and they get this big blessing. They get some check in the mail. I know, how come, I, you've never done that for me. At least that's how it looks on the outside, isn't it? You're doing what it seems like everybody's doing, but you don't get the same results. And, and I'll just tell you, I am on a mission to find an answer. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So in other words, people were touching, but there was some faith activation in this woman that was different than what everyone else was doing round about her. In other words, she had this confidence or she knew that what she needed, he possessed. And there are a couple things, I'm, real quick now, two important things I'm going to leave you with. Number one is, she didn't beg him. She knew what he had, and she went after it. Good. See, we've been given great and precious promises, folks. You don't have to beg God to do what he says he's done. We possess all things, according to Second Peter 1 and 3, that 
that pertain to life and godliness. We, we already, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. I mean, the cross has provided everything you and I will ever need. There is no sin that can take us down. There is no devil that can take us out. You understand there is nothing that stops us because Jesus, according to Colossians 2.15, has made public display of every power and principality, having triumphed over them. There is nothing that can stop us. He is in me. Now listen, she didn't beg for this. There was something she knew. She knew that what he had, doctors didn't have it, but what he had, she could access it. I just ask you, did Jesus ever beg? We beg and bargain with God because we think that it works with him like our kids work us. Our kids beg, 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 beg. And finally, it is true, it does work. After a while, yeah, yeah, take it. Have a cookie before dinner. God, just go. Take the, take the jar, just go. And we figure if that's how it works with our kids, it must work with our Heavenly Father. Let me tell you something. God has incredible resiliency to just keep saying, nope. I'm not going to do it. I, now listen, I think God does do things early in our Christian life in order to get us up and going. But after a while, I think this is the Lord. I really believe this. He actually looks at us and he says, I'm going to get you to think like a kingdom person here. If you'll begin to listen, if you'll begin to be teachable, if you'll listen to what your pastor's telling you and know that it's the voice of the Lord, I'm going to get you to the place where this isn't some sporadic, haphazard, every now and then, arbitrary, why isn't it me type of deal. Number two is she didn't have a backup plan. I'm going to come back to backup plans. But she had exhausted all of her earthly resource and there was no plan B. Do you know why faith isn't faith in some people's life? It's because they always generate in the back of their mind their plan B. And can I just suggest this to you? That if you're a plan B kind of person, that really your plan B is your plan. That is your plan. God, doesn't, God, God, you aren't moving in faith because the whole time you think, you think you're somehow working it with God. I'm believing God, I'm believing God. But if it doesn't work, I got this. And God just says, well, then use it then. See, she'd already exhausted all of her plan Bs. All of her plan Bs. 1 John 5, and I'm done. 1 John 5, 14 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. Now you just can't ask anything. I've heard people run around saying, I know God wants to give me the desires of my heart. Well, that may be as long as your heart's in his will. If your heart's still carnal, you ain't going to get nothing. If your heart is selfish, if your heart is self-consumed, if your heart isn't broken, if your heart isn't humble, if your heart isn't right, don't think just because you got a desire out of it, God's obligated to move on it according to that Particular verse, it says here, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now here's the deal, it isn't just saying, well, whatever your will be, Lord. No, it is time we heard what his will is. You know, God isn't keeping this a secret, people. It's not, it's not well, heal me if it's your will. No, we know what his will is in this area. It's not about, is that your will? His will says that by his stripes I am healed. That's his will. It says he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, there's no maybes in those verses. There's no backup plan in case God doesn't come through. There, there is a place, again, this isn't to make you all that and a bag of chips. This is for him to be glorified in the earth. And I know the kingdom isn't all about money and it isn't all about stuff. You're right, it's not all about those things. But truth of the matter is that some of us are so far in debt, we're so far under the gun, we don't see any financial options. I'm t- you know, I, know, I know money is not the thing, but I'm telling you, money for a lot of you stands in the way of the will of God. Because it takes money sometimes to do the will of God. Money's not evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If that's what you're loving, then you're in trouble. But if you can see it as a tool to get you to the will of God, then you see God can do something with you. I'm going to say this story and I'm done. All right, will you stay four more minutes with me if I get you out at noon? Probably 90 days ago, Trace and I started to go through this whole discussion and we started to listen to things and we just decided, you know, it is time that we quit talking faith and live faith And one of the things I know to be the will of God in my life, I know this to be the will of God, it's been prophesied, it's it's bore witness in my spirit, I know this is God's will that I am supposed to sometime in my life to begin to write books. I know that. Now that's not arrogant, it's not haughty, I don't know, maybe there's 10 people that need my book and that's all that will ever buy it. Maybe. But you know, for those 10 people I need to write. And I know that, but, but you know how it is. It's just life, and, and it's busy, and there's ministry, and it's just, it was very difficult for me to find the time to do what is the will of God. Anybody ever been there? You know what the will of God is? It's just hard to find the time to do it. Come on, be honest. You're, I, it's everybody in the room. Sure, if you had more time, you'd do the will of God. Well, I just don't have time. I just, that's how, it doesn't matter what's consuming your time at this point. But you said, if I had more time, I would do the will of God. Well, that's how kind of I was. And so uh, we started just saying, you know, we need to get on with the will of God. And we began to believe and stand in faith and, and do these things. And all of a sudden, one day, my phone rang, and it was a publisher. Now, I tell you, folks, I've got about a dozen stories I'm going to tell you in the next weeks that are blowing our minds in the Baird household. And let me tell you, they're everyday, ordinary stories. I, I can't tell you all of them one week. I want to. I want, to tell, I want you to stay here till 2 this afternoon so I can tell you every story. I can't. But this publisher called, and he left a message. And I got the message. I, I, I hate to say this. I didn't, I didn't call him back. No, actually, it was an email. It was the email. Sent an email. That he, was, he, he, hit my, he hit the website, and he, and he saw one of the sermon series. That's what it was. Saw one of the sermon series, and... And he said, I, I want to publish that sermon series. Well, I set it on my desk. And I said, isn't that neat? That's cool. All right. And, and I told Trace. And, you know, Trace gets excited about these things, man. Uh, and this is tragic. And, and it's for most of our household. It's the women who have way more faith than the men. Kind of works in my house sometimes that way, too. Oh, what you going to do? What you going to do? And I said, man, I'm busy. Well, you know, this is the will of God. Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing lots of things that are the will of God. You know, so my wife, bless her heart, she went to prayer because was, what, did, what did Jesus say? He said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, do not doubt in your heart that whatever you pray, whatever you ask, it shall be given. So she just went to prayer. And, and the biggest mountain for the will of God was me. 
So she prayed. She didn't tell me she was doing this. Isn't that sneaky? <laughs> she, she, didn't pray. she didn't tell me. She said, I'm praying for you. <laughs> she, then all of a sudden, the dude calls back again. That's when I got the phone call. And when the dude called back again, and I was listening to him on the phone, all the publishing things, and uh, I pulled that back out again, and I hung up the phone, and I think she was in the other room, and she said, who is that, honey? I said, well, that's that publisher again. Well, praise God. I told the Lord he needed to bring that back around to you because it was going to take at least two, three times for you to get that. All right, all right, all right. Well, you know, I don't know about the money. I don't have this, that, and the other. And all of a, all of a sudden, I, 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 we just started praying. She goes, well, I believe the money's going to be there. Somehow the money's going to be there. We're just going to keep believing God because the money's going to be there for this, for this series. And it wasn't even the one I wanted to write about. I don't want to write about that. Isn't that interesting? I don't want. See, the will of God comes to you and you go, I don't want. I don't even know this is what I want to write about. Well, we're going to keep believing because I believe it's God's will. You know, she's just going, I believe it's God's will for you to write. I believe it's God's will. Okay, okay, well, we'll keep believing. And we'll see if God speaks anymore. And so we had assigned some money, and I'll, I'll talk about assigning gifts later in this series, but we, we, we put an assignment out and, and released some offering. And all of a sudden, it wasn't another... It wasn't another couple of days that went by, and I got a letter in the mail from somebody in Virginia, which, by the way, I, I know Vivian and Emmanuel are here. Where, where are you? Vivian, God bless you for being here. They're from Virginia, but it wasn't from them. But I'm glad you guys are here, by the way. But it was from somebody in Virginia that, that I knew years and years and years and years ago. They sent a letter in the mail. It was a thank you letter. And it came in the mail, and I opened up the thing. It was a thank you note. It had a check in it. And it said, I was listening to this series. It was the same series. It was. And Jess felt compelled to send you an offering because it spoke to me in such important ways that I just felt like this was something that you would know what to do with with regards to this series. All right, so I'm going to write on that series. That's what I'm going to do. That's what you say. What are you going to write on? Well, you know, yeah, it may take three, four times, but I'm not that much of a knucklehead. I, I, will, I will get a hold of the will of God because that's all I'm about is the will of God. Now, the reason I share that with you is this. This, is, this. this isn't even the biggest thing on the seismic God meter in the Baird household. I mean, I'm going to tell you some stories that are really going to just flip your switch. I'm telling you, if you will begin to soak in this and begin to realize that you, everybody say me, me. say God's in me. Now listen, if he's not in you, then we need to remedy that. If you've not made public confession of Jesus Christ, if, if, if there's sin going on in your life, you're, you're alienating the presence of God. I'm not th- you say, well, you tell me I'm not saved. I'm not telling you you won't go to heaven, but some of you are living in hell now. Your life's hell. It's, it's dysfunctional. It's falling apart. You're wondering why God didn't happen and working and you're, you're mad and you're embittered and you, you, you gave church a chance and then you gave up and you've got a thousand questions and I'm going to say stop. Stop. There's an answer if you'll get ears to hear and you'll get a teachable spirit and you're willing to obey and you're willing to really Hear what it is Jesus says he wants you to do. And quit thinking like the natural man and begin to think like the kingdom. 
It'll, it, you'll read your Bible even totally different. Right now, God is in you. And he's looking to get out. In what we will initially call miraculous, amazing ways. But listen to me. If we understand his ways. See, the children of Israel got his acts. They could all see God acting, but they never understood his ways. But if we'll understand his ways, the spirit of God can literally begin to get out of you. And things will happen that will become kingdom normal. I don't know about you, but I long for the day when I can pray God's will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it happens. And you know what? It ain't me. It's him in me. You following me? And it can happen to any one of you because he's no respecter of persons. But you got you got to soak. You're going to run out of here and going to go, yeah, man, I'm going to start speaking to mountains. And oh, 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 soak. We're soaking out the stain of the world in order that the imprint of the kingdom can go in. Would you stand with me, please? Amen. In these last 30 seconds, I'm only going to take, I promise, 30 seconds. If you, right now, do not know Jesus, if he's not in you, you've never made public profession of him as Lord and Savior, this is where it starts. You're going you're gonna to have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If, if you've turned your back on the Lord, and maybe there was a day you made a commitment, but for whatever reasons, you know, you're not living it, you've walked away. He would so very much like to renew that relationship today. And get you back on the right track. That's what we're all about here this morning. In these next 30 seconds, that's all I've got, 30 seconds. If you want it, you just come right down here and make public profession. The word says that if you'll confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father. If you'll reject him before men, he'll reject you before the Father. This is how we do it. So in these last moments, one has come. You can come too and just slip out and just say, you know, Lord, I'm getting back on track here. I'm getting, this is the beginning. I got to get my mind renewed. You can't get his mind without getting his presence in your life. Holy Spirit, would you right now in this place begin to work on people? Lord, I can only give them just a few moments here. Lord, I'd wait all day if I knew it would make a difference. But Lord, really, they could do this thing in just a short moment if they just said yes. If they just said yes. Just say yes. I need to renew my thinking. I need to renew my thinking right now. Come on, we've got three that have come. That, there, there's room for you. Listen, you're not stepping into a place where you're going to be embarrassed. You're stepping into a place where you will exercise dominion. Isn't that amazing? I want to change the way I think. I, it's got to change. They're coming. See, that's the Holy Spirit. This is cool. I, I, you know, it's cool when they rush down. I guess that's cool. But when they just kind of come down like one and then another, then another, that just shows me how God's moving. His spirit's just moving. How about you? I don't want to leave you out. Come on. It's your day. Life can be different. It can change. You can leave your bitter and, 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 and leave your hopelessness and joylessness and peacelessness. You can say, today's the day I'm leaving this stuff and I'm stepping into another dimension. Yes, you can. I'm stepping into another dimension right now. How about you?
How about you? I, I, God, just another moment. Just another moment. Come on, every saint right now, you're praying right now. You can pray in the Spirit and you can intercede. You see, people even think when I pray in the Spirit, I've had people say, that's just silly, nonsense. No, it's not. It's the sounds of the kingdom. It's only nonsense to the natural mind. Holy Ghost, move right now. Move right now in these last moments. Move in these last moments in Jesus' name. How about you? Everybody together, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray. Everybody and those of you that are down front, you've got to open up your mouth now and begin to speak out loud these words. Say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the way I thought and I renounce the ways of the world and by your empowerment, Lord, and by your grace, you're turning me into a whole new way of thinking and being. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of everything. I believe in my heart. He was raised from the dead. And that same power is being unleashed in me. I receive that. And I thank you for that. And I believe today, and I reaffirm today, I'm born again into a new and living hope. I'm being born again into a new kingdom. I'm being born again into a new way of thinking. Renew my mind that I might have your mind so I might see ah, your kingdom in me. I believe it's happening. I believe it's starting. This is the first day, the dawn of a new day, of a new life and a new way of living. I receive it. I thank you for it. It is done. It is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. 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 Everybody just lay hands on yourself here real quick. Everybody. Father, I thank you that you gave me a mind, but Lord, it needs renewed. It needs renewed. Lord, we are a congregation that really wants to be after you. Lord, I have, I have confidence in this people. Lord, how much you must see that I can't even see as a human being. But you see their promises and you see their purposes. And some of them can't even see it themselves. Lord, renew us in the spirit of our mind. That we might begin to think Jesus. That we might begin to think His ways, think His precepts. Lord, pull out your, your, your laws of the spirit and life that are in us. Pull them out that we might walk in them. And thank you, Lord, that you're doing it. That we're soaking. Come on, just say, I'm soaking. <laughs> I'm soaking in the things of God. I'm soaking in the revelation of God. And Lord, I thank you that when this is over, we're going to be drenched in the kingdom of God. Lord, bless your people as we go our separate way this day. And Lord, let us live mightily. Let it begin. Let it begin. Even if it's a drop, let it begin in our life, I pray, this week in powerful ways. In Jesus' mighty name. One more time. Amen.
Come on, so be it. Amen. Hallelujah. And before you go, turn around and hug three or four next and tell them I'm rethinking. This week is a rethink week. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're released. I hope you're here in the middle of the week.